This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You're listening to Beyond the Ballot Box with me, Dashran Johan. The upcoming series of state elections will see a third force, namely the combination of Party Socialist Malaysia PSM and MUDA coming together to take on the two big coalition giants, which is Pakatan Harapan and Perikatan National. Now, the move have been equally welcomed and criticised by members of the public, particularly on social media, as some say they could play a pivotal role in shifting our nation's discourse in a more progressive direction, while others accuse them of being spoilers and vote splitters. So on today's show, I'll be speaking to the folks from Party Socialist Malaysia and MUDA about going up against giants and what they can achieve at and beyond the ballot box. So joining me on Zoom first is S. Arut Chelvan. He's the Deputy Chairperson of Party Socialist Malaysia and Sivarajani Manikam. She's the National Workers' Bureau Coordinator of Party Socialist Malaysia. Now they are contesting for the Kajang and Meru state seats respectively. Arul, Jani, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Arul, let's start with you. You're a socialist party. In what ways do um, your philosophies and ideologies differ from both Perikata National but also Pakatan Harapan? I think firstly, if you look at policies, there's not much difference between uh, Perikata National and Pakatan Harapan and BN. You know, in the in the sense of ideologically, both these parties believe in uh, new liberal capitalism. For us, uh, uh, bringing in uh, development per se, there's not solve problems lah, you know. Developments also causes climate problems. It it creates uh, floods, erosions. It creates car jams. It creates, uh, you know, they might be talking about saving proton and all that, which you know. But we might be talking about public transportation. I think basically socialism means we do not believe in individuality lah. You know, I think what capitalism always talks about striving about individual, individual wealth. You know. But what socialism talks about is collective inclusion, you know, getting everybody on board. They talk about competition. We talk about cooperation, you know, so there's a clear differences. We talk about class politics. Very recently, there was this debate about meritocracy. See, in a certain way, we think meritocracy itself is not, is, doesn't solve problems because that means a person from a rich family going for tuitions and having a very good high education is will not have the same compared to a person from a squatter home or a B40 family, will not have a same uh, level playing field, you know. So in that sense, we would agree on affirmative action based on class, based on needs, not based on race, you see. Other aspects of socialism is we, we emphasize a lot on public health care, housing, you know. For example, we talk about PPR housing, house prices should be below 100,000. We have so many people who own more than a house, some two, but many also own three, four, five houses, and they just use it as a form of business, you know, to sell. So they indirectly inflate the price of houses. So in those sense, we would be talking the house is a is an essential thing for people to live. It must be affordable. Their emphasis is based on the whole mantra of profit, you know, becoming rich, prosperous. We have no problem in getting prosperous, but we think that everybody should be prosperous. Everybody should should have a good, you know, have a good health care. Not that you have to go to a private hospital 
to get a good healthcare. Every citizen in this country should have a good healthcare. And also on environment, the capitalists do so much of damage to the environment. Uh, you know, in their development, in their car industry, they solve traffic uh, problems by cutting the hills and creating uh, floods. You know, it's very different than how a socialist will look at those things, you see. We would be talking about public transportation, less pollution, you know. Now, Jani, what would you say is the importance of having a, a quote-unquote third force or an alternative option? What role do you and, and PSM see yourself playing in these elections? What we are saying to the people is like, look into the uh, parties who really like the, uh, do the work, uh, groundwork, the grassroots work, and who can like uh, really like uh, take up the issues, talks about their day and daily uh, problems, you know. How it, actually, these are the things that people needed in the ground. But what we are seeing with the bigger parties now is like really like uh, playing with the with the sentiments, right? the sentiments and then the big parties. So we have to move away from this narrative. So we are trying to bring a new narrative, like new narrative and new culture into the politics. So if you see PSM, uh, we have done lots of policy uh, campaigns in this country, and that is like itself is can be a pressure even for other political parties. You know, like for example, uh, PSM was the first party political party in this country who declared asset in the uh, every every like candidates or every politicians who take parts in the electoral politics. They have to declare their assets, and th- this become like a, a trend now within other parties also. They're picking up. So we can create some kind of like good culture into the politics and that can be a... Com- we can create a competitiveness to do better for this for the people, you know. I feel PSM is, can offer a, a great alternative and also uh, it, it's also a new narrative. Like we can we can bring a new narrative in the politics and we, we can really can be a very good check and balance. You bring up a good point about the work that you do on the ground um, and, and bringing and changing the narrative, creating this new political culture or helping to create it. But people will ask, why should they vote for you if you can't form the state government by yourself since you're only contesting in four seats in these elections? Even if you combine with Muda, it's less than 20 seats altogether. Even if all of y'all win all your seats, y'all cannot form the state government. So... Why why should people vote for you if you cannot form the state government? We can be a very good big voice. Even you send one person to Devan Undagan Negri from PSM, that can be a very big voice. Take an example of Dr. Jayakumana. Last time in the parliament, huh, he was the only socialist MP. You see, and the day one that the speaker have said, even said, he's the only MP who spoke. Uh, relevant issues of the people he bring it out a lot of like a private bills into the parliament a new issues that which other MPs never even touched on you see it's an eye-opening for others so I wouldn't say by voting for one uh one PSM member it's a waste of uh, energy or it's a waste of your vote you know because they can really can bring it up your issue can can speak it up on your issue and then can they can make a, a difference definitely of course we cannot form the government. We have to acknowledge the fact we cannot form the government. Yes, true. It doesn't mean we cannot bring the change. 
Arul, the interesting thing about contesting in Selangor is that you're not necessarily dealing with a government that is terrible per se. At least that's what most people's opinion would be. In fact, this is the government that people banded together to vote in against the old power Barisan National in 2008. And they have made strides in trying to make Selangor more public transport friendly, more walkable, more democratic. It's one of the richest states in Malaysia with a large reserve and there are affordable housing initiatives as well like Rumas Langoku. So what can PSM bring to the table specifically in a place like Selangor? Selangor, in comparison with the other state, is the most is the state which offers the most welfare kind of things and, and there's no denial of that. And we would say it is also a lot to do with it being the richest state, you see. But on the other hand, you see, the, they build most of their houses, low-cost houses, uh, or they call it affordable houses, is, is at the price of 250,000 ringgit. Which most people, just to give you an idea, the lowest low-cost house will cost 42,000 ringgit. Okay, and they don't build those kind of houses. And the minimum salary is only 1,005, you see. There's a lot of things which, which I think Slango can do. Lah. For example, a lot of low-cost flats, Selangor can be the first state to take over the maintenance of low-cost flats. A lot of people stay in low-cost flats. And there is no public transportation to many places in Selangor, actually. Okay, though, though like, for example, like Kajang, we have the MRT and all that. Right. But you don't have a proper bus service from here to the Sedang Hospital, for example. Hmm. Selangor, as you, as you rightfully say, the richest state, how come Selangor is having water disruption? A lot of factories are polluting the rivers, you know. Flooding in Slango is, is havoc. How do you manage development? How do you manage growth? How do you make Slango livable? And if you look at those aspects, I think there's a lot to offer. Lah. Despite facing tough competition from larger parties, PSM has continued its political work. Could you elaborate on the work PSM has done even in the face of electoral defeats, whether you all win or lose, tell me about the work that you all do. For the past 30 years in this country, right, there has been a lot of like uh, work has been done lah, by PSM, especially like uh, for the workers. Today, uh, we all are embracing, like uh, we all having this uh, minimum wage act, I mean minimum wage uh, uh, law in this country. It's all because of people like in, from PSM who fought for it, you know, since those days are from 90s, you know. There was no a policy called minimum wage in the country. And uh, those days, the workers were really paid very low, even 400 ringgit, 500 ringgit as a basic pay, as a low, as a minimum pay. The, and the way, like, uh, the PSM bring up the fight, the campaign is also together with the people, you know. It's, it's with the masses. How we empower the people, to, to achieve what they, I mean uh, what is important for them because we want the people to aware of their problem first aware, aware of the problem aware of the problem in the system you know it's not about we don't we don't just talk about the surface uh, level of problems you have to go into deep and then the structural problems how do you can uh, how do you can uh, uh, live up the people's uh, livelihood are you going to give like a one-off cash thing? And you think you can solve the poverty. But PSM don't believe in that. We don't see. We don't want people to always go and ask for money. You solve their livelihood issues for long term. 
So how do you can create like a policies like a minimum wage? If you give them a good wages, a decent wages for their work, why they need your help? Why they need your cash assistance? And if you see like this is like a minimum wage. And then at one point we, we see like there was every 10 years once there was lots of like a uh, crisis, economic crisis happens. It happens every 10 years once and all the times when a lot of workers lose their job. And what kind of protection they had at that time. So there was no any protection until they can look for a job or the economy is recovered. Then we came up with a suggestion that there should be some kind of allowances. There should be some kind of insurance should be in place to help the workers. Then we fought for this like employment insurance scheme, which we are enjoying now. So this, this is something that we, we started off this, this kind of like campaign, you know, the pressure, the pressure and together with the people. PSM is also one of the party who really fights for the uh, plantation workers. From those days, like uh, plantation workers, lower wage, they don't even have the wage, uh, a decent wage for the plantation workers. And also now the PSM is fighting for the uh, plantation workers' uh, housing rights. And now the, 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 the recent campaign that we launched is elderly uh, people's uh, pension scheme. Right. And we see there's a lot of, I mean, the, the people who contributed uh, for the development of the country now living in the poverty you know, after their 60s. There's no any protection for them. There's no any support for them they are getting. So you must have some level of some continuous support. Okay, every month, okay, all the elderly people in Slango will be getting like 300 ringgit. The, the policies that we are talking is like something long-term. This is this are the work that we are doing la, in the ground. While winning a, a, elections is always an ideal scenario, could you highlight what PSM has and can continue to accomplish without forming the state government? Why should we vote for you if you cannot form the state government by yourself? I think this is a process. La. You know, Chavez used to say, you know, revolution is a process. It's not a, it's not a 10 days thing, you know. So I think you need to win the hearts and mind of the people. See, people are so occupied. If you look at all the mainstream media, everybody talks about 3R issue. Every issue is 3R. After this 3R issue, every day when they go back home, they're talking about, is there food in the table? Is there wages? Is there their health? Is, is their health okay? So I think this is the whole problem between how the narrative of on the ground uh, is something so unrelated to people actually, but they end up getting so fearful about all these things and they end up because of fear voting one of the bigger of the two evils. Uh. So I think for PSM, uh, we have to continuously work because at one time the Socialist Front uh, were the main opposition in the party. Ahmad Bustaman was the opposition leader, you know, and the capitalists knew about it and they crushed the left movement. They put everybody in jail, you know. Those days, you look at the Socialist Front, the People's Party and the Labour Party, they were talking about farmers' issues, workers' issues, you know. The left were very strong in the local council. Now, there's no more local council elections. So, the right wing has gained a lot, okay. And Socialists have to fight back. So, when we got minimum wage, we see we won, won something up. The fight continues. Now, recently, uh, working hours from 40... Nine hours reduced to 45 hours. We think it's the victory of the workers, victory of the left. We see when paternity leave, husbands get extra days, um, mothers get another 30 days maternity. That means the capitalists have to compromise 30 days. It's a 30 days victory for the socialists, you know. 
But people don't see this as ideological, but it is. We have to keep the fight going. Lah. Because end of the day, we don't believe that to get people's support, we must move right. We think we should stand where we are and the people will move left. In Malaysia, our biggest obstacles is race and religious politics. This is the biggest, the biggest tussle of a socialist in this country, you know, from even from those days, you know. So we're happy actually when we when we have Muda with us now, because at least, you know, when Muda talks about multiracial politics, doing away with racial quotas and all that. And then also Muda has now uh, on the question of uh, taxing the super rich, you know. So I think uh, we are gaining grounds. Lah. And you have issues like Negara Islam, Hudud Law. These are the main problems. Uh, whereas PSM now have to bring back the question about housing rights, workers' rights. Because this issue of workers' rights, housing rights, can't across race and religion, you know. We hope that, you know, with this collaboration between Muda and PSM, we can bring about a centre-left political narrative. Now, Jani, um, honing in on this state election specifically, what is PSM's manifesto for the state election? What are y'all offering the people? First is the environmental issues. What we see now is like uh, they are giving more importance on the per se development. So they're going all out, like uh, destroying the forest. Thing. So we are saying like uh, this kind of like a development is non-sustainable development because it's not taking into consideration of environmental uh, disasters, you know. The development must take into consideration of the, of this uh, environment issues. And then like uh, we are also talking about, Arul just now talks about the housing uh, right. problems. Huh? Currently in uh, Slango, the gap for people can able to own the houses and not able to own is becoming very big. Huh? Only a uh, a small group of people able to buy the houses, mm. buy the houses because the house prices is extremely very high. Even the slango ruma slango rumaku slango the, the scheme, their house is like starting from two hundred fifty k, and so I, I, we we are very suspicious. Who is this? Who are the people are getting these houses? Who are the people buying these houses? Because all the people that like. The, like the, the B40 who really earning like a below than 3,000, they are not even affordable to buy this kind of houses. Why the percentage of the low-cost houses, building the low-cost houses has gone down? Of course, the low-cost flats got other issues as well as what uh, Arul said just now. The maintenance is the biggest problem. And we all must aware that who are the people living in the low-cost flats? They are the poor communities. So maintenance, you shouldn't put on their shoulder. And we also urge the state governments to build more uh, affordable uh, houses. Lah. The affordable houses meaning is so different from what we are saying socialists and what the state government, current state government saying, you know. We are saying the affordable housing is within like 42,000, 200,000. We can consider this this range of prices are affordable for the people to to own. So our, our manifesto for Slango for the housing is these are the things. Like, they need to build more affordable housing. They need to take over the maintenance for the low-cost flats. And also, they must come up with the more PPR housing projects. Like. So apart from this, how do we expand the democracy right. space? Like? So now we, uh, for the even the parliamentarians, uh, for the for the state assembly person, we are having like this elections and then they can elect their representatives. What about these councillors? The, the council elections and everything. These are the people who are very close to the community, no? 
the counselors are the people going to closely work with the people in the ground and these people are not being elected by the people community no these people are being appointed by some politicians all the cronies are given this kind of positions we are saying this is not right every level that should be given the uh, right for the people to choose their representative even the council levels even the village levels everywhere there should be an election to be called and people should be able to select the person that around in their communities who are serving in that communities then we can see a real change in the ground lah because they will have the sense of belonging to their area you know right. oh i really wanted to do something for this i really wanted to bring up some infrastructure changes within my communities so this is not something that cannot be done it has been in the history in malaysia and it is within the state government's power right so the key focuses which is um, affordable housing um you know um, um, sustainable development that will put planet above profit and also the expansion of democracy now arul many have pointed out right um over the years that they agree with your principles they respect the work that psm is doing but that psm is just not strong enough or popular enough and so even if someone is a socialist or a leftist it is better to join a major mainstream political party or vote for a major uh, mainstream political party um, because that's a better way to affect change how would you respond to this for for 60 years uh, malaysians never thought there'll be a second party in, you know there won't be a change in government you know if you look at his, history yeah uh, at one point people thought the slavery yeah, is the best system in the world you know so change always occurs for better lah and there is a struggle to it you know so capitalism system will not last forever because how long, how much can you grow now you are having more destruction you know in a world which is so modern today you are having you can't handle climate change you know so this i think end of the day reality will come come and psm is a party because we will continue to talk about people's interests values and i think we will prevail in the long run because end of the end of the day if we believe in truth you know if you believe that you know this world is to be shared by everyone you know a lot of people are very unhappy with nepalis bangladeshis working here but they are very happy you know but they don't want to pay them good wages you know this is how the world is everybody talks about religion you know but nobody is religious everybody want to exploit each other socialism is a way forward and and we believe that everybody deserves a better world not the top 1% we think wealth must be equally distributed in in the 21st century you know the biggest problem is people are so stressed people work so hard do double work i think you should have lesser working hours eat good food Uh, have more time rest more social life i think everybody loves that you know and i think if you love all that then you should love socialism because that's what we are offering jani arul thank you so much for joining me today thank you rasha for having us you i've been speaking with s arul chelvan psm's candidate for the kajang state seat and sivaranjani manikam psm's candidate for the meru state seat let's go for a quick break and after the break i'll be speaking to dobby chu of party muda keep it here on beyond the ballot box bfm 89.9 
Welcome back to Beyond the Ballot Box with me, Dashran Johan. On today's show, we are talking about the third force that will be contesting against both Pakatan Harapan and Perikatan National at the upcoming state elections. So joining me on the show now is Dobby Chu. He's the Director of Human Rights Bureau at Party Muda. He's also Muda's candidate for Seri Satya. Welcome to the show. You've been a human rights activist, Dobby, for many years. You've been a part of Swaram. You're now the CEO of ADPAN, which is the Anti-Death Penalty Asian Network. Um, you've played a, a role in the push for the abolition of the mandatory death penalty, which recently came to fruition. So the question is, why did you decide to join and play an active role in a political party? And why is that party muda? Thanks for having me on the show again. So I think the main reason why I'm joining into this whole electoral politics is largely the kind of political dynamics we have today. Uh, we have two giants that doesn't seem to be prioritizing a lot of policy issues that needs to be discussed thoroughly. Um, and to me, we can sit on the sideline and critique it as much as we want to. But at some point, if we choose not to take active action to address it, uh, we're just going to be on the side seat commenting and not doing anything pragmatic about it. And to me, why Muda is also partially related to that. Like these political parties to me have too much inherent biasness, the kind of inherent power structure within them, that even if you go in with the best of intentions to try and rock the system a little bit, to kind of change out the dynamic of it, whether you can achieve it or not is kind of a hit and miss. Because if you're influential enough, then it's kind of a question, why do you need to join the party to do a change? And if you're not, what guarantees you that you can remain true to yourself and your principles through the party? And for me, Muda is new enough that it's a blank slate, right? So if you're there, make a good case for it. Show that that has worth in, in the kind of principles you want to bring in and you want to stand for. And to me, it's still mailable enough for now that you can kind of chart the course for the party and the direction it is. So to me, it's kind of this meeting of belief that something needs to be done and the opportunity that there's a party that's fresh enough that you can initiate these sort of changes. Muda has repeatedly said, I think you have mentioned in some of your speeches as well, that mm -hmm. um, you know Muda is an unabashedly multicultural party. And I think mm -hmm. very few people can argue with that. Um, Muda also always claims that they push for moderate and progressive policies. Mm -hmm. Now, to me, that sounds like Pakatan Harapan. What separates Muda from Pakatan Harapan apart from age? The biggest thing that separates for me in my mind is actually the kind of party structure that we have. We don't have a woman wing, we don't have a youth wing, we are all under one umbrella. Whereas if you look at all the other parties, including PSM to an extent, so when you have all these kind of wing structures, anything you want to be negotiated through the central party itself needs to be negotiated at a lower level before it gets carried up. And to me, that just adds more barrier into how you can access politics and how you can access um, the front stage for advocacy in, in terms of politics, right? If you need to fight through 100 people of your own woman wing, for example, before you can even be a candidate offered to the central party, odds of you making to the final candidate list is a lot slimmer than it should be. So that's the kind of big structural change I think it makes us very much different from Pakata Harapan. And we can have a lot of new voice that comes up quite rapidly because of this kind of open and accessible platform. But moving beyond that, I think what we have seen is Pakata Harapan is willing to make a lot of compromises for power. They could have chosen the route of what Ismail Sabri did, which is minority government, but they have rather opt for a coalition government or their self-proclaimed unity government. Yes, it may look more stable, but you know you can't see the kind of compromises we are making now, right? That you can have a deputy prime minister that's reiterating the kind of goodie back promises that that they have shunned in the past. 
people are still being arrested and you have a minister who's from Pakatara by himself making threats about arresting people with police car outside their doors. Now, I think Muda, most of the leadership and most of the kind of candidates we have doesn't carry any of those baggages. No guarantee in 10 years' time they'll, they'll perform the same or they'll be equally as, you know, clear-cut about things. But at least for now, in terms of a party, I think we are the kind of fresher faces that doesn't have all the kind of political baggages, doesn't have the kind of tendency to lean towards maintaining status quo. What is Muda's core ideology and policy platform? Is there a, a core ideology that sort of binds all members together? Set aside PSM, because I think they, have the, they are the one with the clearest ideology and all this kind of impasse. Um, but when we look at most of the political party in Malaysia, we are in this awkward centre-left-leaning kind of policy where we might be socially conservative in some areas, but we are usually economically more progressive. So Muda is not much different from that. But I think what we are making ourselves a bit more different or stand out a bit more is there are principal position on things that we are more willing to take. I think LGBTIQ is a topic that comes up every other conversation. Um, even Citro uses it to kind of bait me into answering it. But to us, I think we can just answer it right face on and say, yeah, it's an issue where whether it is compatible with our constitution, with our country. And regardless of whether you think it's right or wrong, you should not do harm on other people. You should not inflict harm on other people. And if anything needs to change, it needs to be a majority decision because it's a democracy, right? So we can be very upfront and, and, and forward and just say, you know, this is our position. So to me, our ideology is one that shares by most Malaysians, that we are very malleable in terms of where we lean, but economically, we are more left-leaning, that we want the right social welfare in place, we want education well, education provided by government to an extent, uh, we want access to public health care. You said, like, apart from PSM and PASS, who have very clear ideologies and a direction that they're moving in. Mm. Um, the rest are um, sort of the centre-to-the-left parties, um, mm. sometimes very socially conservative, but within that realm, centre-right, centre-left, um, centrist parties, right? Um, mm. Malleable, like you said. If that is the case, then why not, instead of starting another party, mm -hmm. join one of the mainstream parties? Why start another party... Um, which is essentially ideologically very similar to the existing parties? Well, I can't say for certain for other people in Muda, but for me personally, it's really the kind of structure and baggages that the party carries already. I'm very pragmatic about the sense that if I join PKR, if I join DAP, I know where I will stand in the party. I know the kind of trajectory and the hierarchy that you need to claw your way through to get to where you are. I've seen really good other from those parties over time getting worn down by the kind of internal politicking, the kind of power play within the party itself, then that is, to me, it's already inherent in the structure of how they run and how they function. The culture of politics is already ingrained there. Muda is new and fresh enough. I think in time, you know, I could be proven to be wrong and it could set in the same rot. But for now, the way it is, there's enough of a sense of being a need to be dynamic that people are looking at themselves and say, no, we can't do this. This is the same exact way how people did it in the past. How can we do better? Let's go to, you know, how y'all decide where exactly y'all wanted the contest because there were some, a lot of controversy surrounding that as mm. well. Um, many criticisms were hurled um, in Muda's direction, um, mm -hmm. questioning why y'all cont uh, con are contesting in mostly seats where Harapan is incumbent instead of going um, deep into the Malay heartland or Malay mm. areas and, and challenging Perikatan mm. National. Could you give us a sense of how Muda chose which seat to contest in? 
So maybe let me answer that bit on, um, you know, isn't PN the enemy? I think on my campaign trail, I've seen PBN people asking, asking me as Muda, why don't we make alliance with them? We could have negotiated seats for Sarisatia, for example. And we also seen PH saying the same thing about other seats. But we know both would not, does not come with clean head. And like it or not, I think Muda stands alone now with PSM, uh, well, together alone. Um, it's because of that dynamic that these big coalitions are trying to wrangle smaller parties into their fold without really compromising or making it right for those who are coming in. And when how we chose it is a bit more unique in the sense that we have a very open process. Our candidates, including myself, had to put in an application for it. Uh, there'll be selection committee, at least two stage of it, that really interviews the candidate to get a sense of, you know, you want to contest, how are you fundraising, who are you, why do you want to do this, what's in it for you kind of thing. So that's kind of partially why a lot of our candidates, I think, you know, just ends up clashing with PH seats to some extent. In PHC, especially in Selangor, you look at Subanjaya, you look at Banda Utama, you look at Bukikasing. We have incumbents who have supermajority or have near supermajority for the past two election terms. And when you look at it, people in these areas, they are not likely to vote for Perikata National because of the policies and the racial rhetorics they bring. But at the same time, they are unhappy with PH and they want an alternative, right? And there's no alternative there. Muda has a very unique role to play that with PSM that we can be an alternative for progressive voters, that that PH is not your only selection. And I have seen PH voters asking me, you know, how how and why do you want to split the votes? And I'm just looking at them like, do you think Perikata National is a viable alternative in these seats? Yes or no? No, right? So if you think they're going to be gone because they can't even retain their deposit in these seats, are you suggesting or are you saying to me that we should have a one-party system in Selangor? Because that's what you're implying when you say we shouldn't contest and split the votes in these seats. And my seat itself, I think it's more iffy because if you look at the previous statistic, it's not exactly like a safe incumbent seat for PKR. Not anymore, at least. Um, and you can also see PN trying to make some headways here and there in key areas. And us coming into the mix throws, I think, a big wrench into the equation because people don't really know or can't really tell where are the votes going to lean from, right? Um, like a lot of people I met are actually not from Pakata Harapan. It's actually from PN side. And they have been quite open to have conversation, have discussion, raising the kind of local issues. At the same time, we also hear that from, from the Harapan side. So it's one of those things we're looking at it like, yeah, if both sides offering everyone a good deal, why would these people even entertain me? Because these are supposed to be their stronghold areas, right? Why am I a random Buddha candidate able to go in to speak about it? When we talk about the third force, basically, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have these two giants going at each other, which is Pakatan Harapan and Prikata National. And then we have this Muda PSM alliance um, that is essentially saying, you know, um, progressive voters, you have another option. What are the similarities that brought Muda and PSM together? And what are your differences? The thing that really brings us together is when we sit down and look at it, most of the things we are calling for is similar, right? Uh, We made a call for windfall tax during COVID. We are calling for local council elections. We are calling for a relook of restructuring of how um, demolition of places of worship and things like that are done. We are calling for, you know, family houses, residential houses not to be demolished really, really nearly. So it's a lot of very similar calls to action that we are taking on. Um, the only big difference is, I think, how we end up at that conclusion. I think PSM has much of a um, clearer ideological position why this thing should not happen and what should be the alternative. Whereas Muda is a lot more because of a lack of uh, clear ideological direction. It's more experimental, right? That we look at a situation, we're like, hey, this cannot be the right outcome that we want. We must have an alternative. And the alternative turns out to be what PSM is pursuing. 
So I think they have a clear starting point. We have a weak starting point and a very multi-track start, starting point, but we are all heading towards the same direction. It wouldn't surprise me at some point we'll have issues where we have divergence on. But I think both parties kind of make it quite clear among each other that there are room for us to converse and for us to discuss. What is MUDA's manifesto for the upcoming state elections? So we have a very big, long manifesto that mm-hmm. covers a lot of things. So that includes things like local council election that we want to bring back, uh, the issue of appointment of well, appointment of directors to, to government-controlled entities, uh, commissioners. So that's the kind of broader politic baru that we want to bring, the kind of more structural institutional changes we want to bring. To be very blunt about it, it's one of those things, unless you have a strong majority in, in, the, in the, 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 the state-level assembly, you can't really push for these things or you can't really drive the change to it. But we are trying to see if we can at least spark the conversation and if there's room for us to propose uh, pilot programs for the local council election, whether we can bring those back. And another side of it also, we are trying to look at uh, policy or policy groundings that we can say, you know, these are what we recommend to the state government to either enhance or amplify what they can do or the direction they should look at. Um, but being very pragmatic about it, we are not contesting to be a state government at this point. So most of our manifesto would only be more supplementary than it is um, here's what we're going to do if we become government because we are not at that kind of state where we are contesting at that level. Um, but for me personally, I think we do have like a more personalized for what we want to do with Sirisati. And I think some of our candidates has also launched their own manifesto. Let's talk about that before we get back to mm-hmm. the to the big picture of, you know, what's the point if you all can't form state government and so on, right? Mm-hmm. So what are you, Dobichu, offering the people of Sirisati specifically? Why should they vote for you? So uh, my team and I, we have a very ambitious but not short-term, but very long-term kind of manifesto that really prioritizes on first public transportation and reframing how our transportation plan looks like, since the government doesn't seem to have one, apparently, according to some people, um, to really look at that and how we can improve this kind of infrastructure. So whether it be last mile, last mile connectivity through uh, pedestrian walkways, to shelter walkways, to use of greater rollout like things like beams or rental bicycles, those are things we are looking at as the first main point. The second bit is on uh, social welfare and protections. So like Sarisatia, for example, there is no clinic kesihatan in Sarisatia except for the one in Kalanajaya and one that is in Taman Medan, which is not in the area. And both are extremely packed or distant. So if you have a public health, like you have a health emergency, good luck if you can't pay for private health care because your next close port of call is like Serdang or PPUM, which is not near, especially during daytime traffic. Um, third is more on human rights, so the kind of more democratic practices, access to information, uh, your right to elect your local councillor. Fourth is on environmental protection. Uh, and fifth is on really what I see as the main focus of my campaign here, which is prioritizing the local people. Not only in the sense of um, caring for them as an Adun's role, which is actually Ali Majlis role, a councillor's role, but really to kind of help them amplify what they're doing now, as opposed to coming in as a saviour to say, you know, Work for Muda and we'll solve all your problems. It's really more of work for Muda. We'll work with you to kind of amplify what you're doing at the community level. To kind of give an example, right? So recently you have four golf courses and a lot of wealthy residents that like that developed their wealth in the 70s, 80s, and some the, the very recent decade. But you also have a significant number of urban poor who were who used to be urban settlers in Mantari area, in uh Desa Mantari in Kampung Lindongan. When you look at it, they are not very well much they are not the rich right they are mostly in the p40 categories but when they do need um, access to amenities like they need a tadika in their area 
they fundraise themselves to build it, right? So it's the kind of people that have shown that they are very pragmatic, they are very resilient, that despite everything that's thrown at them by the world and also by the government sometimes, that they have managed to excel and progress this much. So to me, my job and responsibility is kind of look at that. These are the chapters that fought for community here. What can I do to make sure that you can continue fighting? And what can I do to make that fight easier for you? Rather than coming in and trying to take over their job and kind of deprive them of that, that independence and that kind of resilience. So now going back to this idea that mm. y'all are not contesting in enough seats to be able to form the government and this is MUDA plus PSM, it's still not enough, mm. right? So why is it important even if just one MUDA candidate wins, for example, mm. um, what changes can one Adun make? What sort of, you, you talk about, you know, one, wanting to rock the system, how big of a boat can one Adun rock? Yeah. So initially, when I when I when I came into the whole idea of contesting this this election, um, the thought in my mind is one Adun can make some changes, like what Amira did in Johor. What she can do to introduce like a committee, she can introduce like a local uh, majlis rakyat where you can kind of bring up ideas, have democratic discussion about policies and things like that. And that was kind of where I was thinking at. But coming down to seriously on the ground, I mean, it's a place I'm familiar with over the past thirty years of my life, but being aware of what's going on or what the conditions are like and really experiencing it firsthand or hearing it firsthand is very different. And I think at the end of last week or the end of the, the start of this week, I think the trajectory has changed for me. To me, one Adun can make a difference, especially in seats where PH is too comfortable because we are seeing the kind of deterioration in public services that we saw in the early 2000s, right? The kind of thing that led to frustration and anger to the collapse of the BN government at the state level back then. And even if it's one adun, even if it's one area that we can help elevate, I think it'll make a world of a difference to the people in those areas. The kind of things that I'm hearing from, from the communities around here in Sarisatia, they're saying, you know, both sides, since BN era when it was a bit better, no one has really stick around for the community. No one has stuck up for them. No one has stood up for them. And it's just a dwindling, a slow dwindle of resources and dwindling, you know, going further down in the, the poverty, in the poverty as days goes by, right? And to me, even if just one adun, even if just get this one seat, the kind of things we can do to kind of elevate the immediate problems that people have and provide the kind of welfare that clearly the both giants here are ignoring, I think that would be of its own a big, a big change. Dobby, um, there are members in MUDA, some might even say yourself, for example, you've been um, working on human rights for close to a decade. You have um, experience in organizing, in mobilizing. You have served on the ground. Um, and mm -hmm. people say uh, there are a bunch of MUDA members who have served on the ground and, and they have the capacity to lead. And then there are the other few or uh, number of MUDA members who are perhaps um, come from very privileged backgrounds. Mm -hmm. um, some might say their heads are stuck in the clouds. They are from Kayangan background and so, so on and so forth. So how do you, as someone who has done work on the ground and, and all of that, how do you process these criticisms um, and how do you contextualize it for people? It's a very interesting position for me because people would also look at me and kind of imagine that I came from the Kayangan. And then I go down the ground and I'm more comfortable with a random guy on the street than I am with the fancier Richard Crow in Kalanajaya, for example. I think it's a learning experience for, for, for all that's involved in it, right? For us activists with background on the ground, it's something that's very natural. It's just it scales up from like maybe a hundred to ten thousand people. But for those who have not, not enough, like no experience in this area, 
I think the fact that they are on this starting line with Moodle itself well, it shows that they have an intent or have an interest to kind of really learn more and figure things out more. And their background kind of brings a different dynamic to how they interpret the problem and how they, how they figure out a solution to it. So there are definitely some sensitizing to do that goes without saying because if you don't understand or you can't empathize with what other people are experiencing, you won't be able to make good policy or you won't be able to work with them to develop good policy. So there's a bit of a learning curve to it. But so far, I think look at, looking at it, it is definitely something that they can also try out and they are trying out here and there. And I won't be surprised also, you know, we do have places like, say, for example, Bangsa or Subanjaya where it is most mostly fairly wealthy people. And sometimes, I guess, down to it is democracy. You want someone who looks like you, thinks like you, talk, talks like you to represent you. And at some point, you might just need to have people in Kayangan for places that are in Kayangan. It's just how do we navigate a kind of broader democratic conversation once we get there, right? So, Dobby, every party um, goes into elections wanting to win. I'm sure you want to win as well. And you've already told me what you're going to do if you do win. But I'm equally interested to know what you're going to do if you lose. What role do you and Muda see yourselves playing in nation building over the next five to ten years? So, the way I see it, it's kind of two ways we can lose, right? We can lose with a lot of votes, which is very impactful of its own because it really gives us the kind of momentum and the kind of strength to... Um, put the challenge to PH at state level to say that, you know, there are issues with governance and people are getting angry. Like, this is a warning call for you. Like, I shouldn't be telling you this because, you know, if you don't do better, I'm going to win someday. But for the sake of the people that this is a warning call and should really start looking at policy issues. It will help us immensely when we try to advocate to government on policy reforms or even just basic day-to-day issues like garbage collection or even just licensing from the city council. But if we lose terribly... <laughs> That strength might not be there anymore because then they might just be, ah, you barely survived the last, you didn't even survive the last election, much less coming to talk about changing or pushing for advocacy and change. And I think in the latter event or even in the former, either way, for me, myself, I do intend to stay in Surisatia. It is a place that where my office is at and I just stay across the road from it. And I think the struggle for Muda and I think PSM will also very much appreciate this, that we need to have a strong base here and that base cannot just be an office on the ground, but it needs to be food on the ground. It needs to be people on the ground that's willing to work with community, go through their problem with them, understand the issue they face and kind of help provide them solution from where we can and how, how we can. And if by any odd chance that Muda lose so badly that I only get 10 votes, for example, <laughs> then I think it's really time for Muda to kind of sit back down and kind of look at ourselves and say, hey, is the direction we are taking correct? Is Are people just that fearful of the idea of a third force splitting world? Or is it just one of those things, the kind of idea of multiculturalism that we bring really isn't something that people care for, right? So different ways of losing, different ways of winning. And either way, it's the time for reflection. It's also time for our own internal reflection and learning and how we proceed with doing what I want to do, which is to serve the people. Dobby, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you as usual for having me. That was Dobby Chu, Director of the Human Rights Bureau of Party Muda. He's also Muda's candidate for Suri Satya. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, bfm.my, Spotify, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. You just have to look up Beyond the Ballot Box podcast. I'm Dashran Johan, and this has been Beyond the Ballot Box, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.